Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we talk about the Hawks' disappointing loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers going into the All-Star break. Without further ado, let's get into it. Well, Hawks fans, you can think of it in one of two ways. One, they lost to the worst team in the East, and going into the All-Star break, that's going to leave some negative momentum for the Hawks coming back from the All-Star break. The other way to look at it is they got this awful performance out of out of them after a loss to the Magic. They go into the break. They might be able to get Clint Capella, some of these guys back healthy, and start fresh after the All-Star break. But this was just a really poor performance from the Hawks from the start. The Hawks dug themselves into a 1-6 to hold to start the game. They went on a nice little run to get the lead and then were ne- never able to get that lead again once the Cavs were able to really exert their will and get going. The Cavs ended up winning 127-105 to and a 22-point loss to the worst team in the East is definitely not something I would want to take into the All-Star break. And some of the really nice performances on the Cleveland Cavs side of the ball that pushed this were from Colin Sexton, Andre Drummond, Tristan Thompson, who we'll get to, Larry Nance Jr. had a really nice game, 23 points, 12 rebounds, two assists, three turnovers, and three steals. Um, Drummond, 14 and 15, 14 points and 15 rebounds, fine. Kevin Porter, nice shot off the bench for the Cavs, had 18 points, two of two from three, four rebounds, three assists, really, really gives the Hawks problems in his first two performances against the Hawks both in Cleveland and then Colin Sexton like I said had 23 points six assists four turnovers Colin Sexton again to repeat what I said in the preview he leaves it all out there there's again no question if he's giving his full effort or what you're going to get from Colin Sexton and tonight was no different he pushes it 100% of the time and tonight it was following he was able to get around a lot of the Hawks bigs and once the Cavs had this nice lead. I thought all of their younger players could play with a lot of joy. No pressure on them. They built a double-digit lead in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, when the Hawks were kind of hanging around at that 14- to 17-point range, Tristan Thompson comes in and hits two three-pointers. Tristan Thompson hasn't hit two three-pointers in a game in his career, and he ended up hitting three in this game. And you can kind of sum up the Hawks' whole night with just that performance, Tristan Thompson hitting that shot. He ended the game with 27 points and 11 rebounds. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and I don't think any Hawks fans are going to miss him if he leaves the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hopefully he'll go to the West so we never have to see him again. But Tristan Thompson had himself a night, uh, in a night where Andre Drummond got going a little bit early, but I did not think was that effective. Tristan Thompson really had it going, and Larry Nance was able to pick up the slack as well. But It was a really, really strong performance from the Cavs. They took the control of the game and never let the Hawks get back into this. I think one of the frustrating things is how well the Cavaliers were able to do that. And one thing I noticed as I was rewatching this game is just how young the Hawks are, especially when Dwayne Denman wasn't able to play a lot. Dwayne Denman came in, got two fouls pretty quickly in the first quarter, then got an offensive foul for his third foul in the second quarter. He ended up only playing 17 minutes and was actually the only Hawk with a positive plus minus in this game. But when the Hawks don't have Dwayne Dedman out there, they can put up lineups out there that is like Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, 
uh, Damian Jones and DeAndre Hunter. I mean, those all those players. Damian Jones has been in the league a little bit, but that's basically two years of experience max on the court for that. And what it does for the Hawks is when they're down by double digits or something like that, the Hawks tend to try to make the home run play. They try to make the amazing play to get three points or maximize their points instead of just getting to something basic and slowly chipping away. The good thing about being down so early in a game is you have a ton of time to get back into the game. I think the Hawks sometimes rush that. They get a lot of turnovers, and a lot of the Hawks' turnovers is something I've harped on this podcast episode after episode. It's just the really bad live ball turnovers that turn into free dunks for the Cavs. They turn into free layups for the Cavs. They just turn into possessions where the Cavs did not have to work for their points. And on the other side of the ball, the Hawks were having to make really good passes to get good shots. John Collins and Trey Young had a very good connection early in this game. There are two massive alley-oops, one from Trey Young and one from Cam Reddish, that you absolutely need to see the highlight from. Both of them came after the came out of the pick and roll. Cam Reddish's was beautiful. He took the dribble handoff from John. John went to the basket. Cam throws this alley-oop that doesn't look like anybody's going to be able to get it. John gets it with one hand, dunks it, or throws it through the rim, whatever you want to say. And it was just, it was stunning. It was like, okay, that could be the play of the game right there, at least highlight-wise. Then Trey and John have this ridiculous alley-oop where Trey shoots this lollipop, it looks like, and the ball comes from the ceiling, and John's able to get it for a massive dunk. But all these plays happened when the Hawks were already down by 10 or 14 points or whatever. So they were awesome plays. It's really good to see how much Cam's handling the ball. He ended the game with just two assists. With his ball handling, he needs to have a little bit more assist than that. But the Hawks can't just go for those highlight plays. Kevin Herter, Trey Young, and John Collins all had passes that had zero chances of working. All of those passes turned into easy lay-ins for the Cavs. So any sort of comeback, if you're down 14, that takes two points potentially from the Hawks, turns it into two points for the Cavs for a four-point swing or something like that. And it's kind of, it's something that's easy to say that like, look, we don't need to be going for the home run every time. And getting your guys to buy in is a little tougher. I did think that the Hawks had a little bit of a rough whistle from the officials in this game, and that came back to bite them. Kevin Herter got called for an offensive foul on one possession. The Cavs' next possession, Herter gets just a lazy foul on, I think, Kevin Porter. Um, Trey was not getting a lot of calls, ends up getting a technical foul and sending uh, Colin Sexton to the free throw line. Trey had a, a clear path foul, and that gives the Cavs two shots and the ball when the Hawks were coming back in the fourth quarter. John Collins gets whacked going to the basket and is or and doesn't get a call. He also ha- sets a screen, gets called for the offensive foul, goes down to the other side, is trying to plead his case why that wasn't an offensive foul. Andre Drummond doesn't care at all and gets really deep position for two points for the Hawks. So it's, you know, a combination of just a really large amount of all these like little little things that add up to a 22-point loss to the worst team in the East. Now, the Hawks did have some nice performances. Trey ended up with 27 points, 12 assists. It's interest, It's hard for me to kind of criticize a performance like that, but he also had four turnovers. And Trey, for as good a passer as he is, he really likes to hold the ball in a double team because he's so good at finding out the person who's open. 
but sometimes it backfires on him when the Cavs played really good defense and the only open player was the opposite side corner and Trey tried to make that pass it's a turnover Cavs ball Trey loves to get into the paint and two different times he got caught up in well one time he got caught up in the air tries to get the ball out just none of the Cavs were biting on any of his fakes the Cavs get a nice run out for an easy two points and then one time he holds the ball and I don't really think this is Trey's fault he has gets to the basket Kevin Herter's closing the basket as well Kevin doesn't even think he's getting the ball and when the ball comes to him Herter's unable to make the little bunny for the shot so the Hawks are getting in the right position they're getting good look good looks good chances to score and just not converting and then when you're already down 10 it's really really difficult for you anything to happen after that so Trey had a nice performance Collins ended up with 23 points only four rebounds and three turnovers Again, I like John solely either shooting his three ball or driving to the basket, dunking, or being part of the pick and roll and dunking. I know he's trying to uh, expand his game to have a little bit of playmaking, but his passes are often like not really there for whoever he's passing to. Like He tried this drive and pass to Damian Jones. Damian Jones, bless his heart, is never going to be able to catch the ball from um, John Collins. Like That's just not going to happen, and I'd rather John try to get fouled going to the basket. Or there's another one where John drives and tries to pass it out, and it's like a live ball turnover. It's like, John, just go to the basket, big fella. You're one of the most dynamic big men in the league. Go dunk it. So, you know, that can just be frustrating to see such a talented individual try to do too much, I think. I understand it. We're also in a season where he should be trying to do these things if he's going to do that in the future, but um, maybe not with Damian Jones. Uh DeAndre Hunter had 12 points, was 3 of 8 from the three-point line, had 8 rebounds and 2 steals. His rebounding is important. He had one possession where Cam shot a 3. It felt like the Cavs were getting all rebounds, and Hunter hung around, had a tip out to John Collins, ran right to the three-point line. John got him the ball. DeAndre hit the 3. DeAndre's still figuring out, like, how it sounds funny to say but how to like flop in the NBA or how when to anticipate your opponent is going to flop he got called for a foul on Kevin Porter early in the game and it was shooting a three-pointer I guess it was with Chetty Osman excuse me and Lloyd Pierce challenged it and it ended up being an offensive foul on uh, Drummond on the screen but DeAndre is so strong that a lot of players just bounce off of him and that can look like a foul and I think that, you know, this is DeAndre's first year playing at the NBA level. He's got to start anticipating when that's going to happen and when not to let these other players really um, accentuate the contact that happens there. But he had a couple of nice plays where he didn't get the ball to go, a couple nice drives where he was right under the basket, and I don't see how he gets does not get a foul call, but he did not. But I thought this was a nice, an all right game from DeAndre Hunter. Cam Reddish came in and did what he's done recently he had 16 points was six of eight from the free throw line which is super encouraging again he's starting to take the ball to the hole with real force and being decisive about it I had one nitpick on him he had an open three-pointer in the corner that he turned down tried to dribble it got knocked out of bounds and he even pointed to himself a little bit like I got to take that but he was two of four from the three-point line and Cam is just growing really well I you know I'd like to see this start to turn into some wins or something with how well he's playing but Cam has continued to improve and I'm happy that that you know concussion didn't kind of knock him off his 
trajectory through this first half of the season. It'll be interesting for all the rookies how they take the all-star break to rest, to recollect themselves. But if they're able to continue the growth they've shown in this first half of the season, two-thirds of the season, and carry that on after the season. One person who I thought didn't have their best game was Kevin Herter. He was only 4 of 11 shooting, 3 of 7 from 3 for 11 points. He had a 2 assists and 4 turnovers. Like Trey and John Collins, he had one turnover that was just, what are you thinking, Kevin? Take it to the basket, but don't make that pass. And he takes a lot of drives now where he's kind of floating through the air, not on, not to the basket, but really difficult shots. And I'd like him to try to get a foul call or go straight to the basket instead of settling for a floater or something like that. So it wasn't Kevin's best game. I think he'll shake it off. I mean, one positive for the Hawks in general is that they thought shot 38% from the three-point line. And I think they can take that moving forward. If they start shooting like that, teams are not going to be able to guard Trey because he'll be able to kick it out to a three-point shooter for a knockdown three. And with Hunter, Herter, and Reddish all around him, the Hawks are starting to get a little bit of a three-point threats around him. And also that helps the bigs as well. I mean, Damian Jones didn't have a very great game. I didn't think he was awful. He actually challenged uh, Andre Drummond pretty well. But there was a huge difference between when Deadman was on the court and when Damian Jones was on the court. So besides the three-point shooting, the Hawks had 17 turnovers, excuse me, 26 fouls. The Cavs, as some point of reference, shot 36% from three. 22 fouls and 17 turnovers as well. Um, but the Cavs shot 50% overall, over 50% from the field overall, and shot the ball 10 more times than the Hawks. It was just pretty stark how many more chances the Cavs were getting to score the ball than the Hawks were. Especially the third quarter, the Hawks were down 17 going into the third quarter. The Hawks played a pretty good third quarter and ended up down 18. They were, you know, they didn't gain any ground on the Cavs. And it was just the Cavs were getting so many more opportunities, even if the Hawks played good defense, especially the last possession uh, the Cavs had before the half. Trey played a wonderful defense on Sexton. Sexton throws up an air ball. Tristan Thompson catches the air ball and lays it in. I mean, it just felt like there was a lot of possessions like that where the Hawks had good initial defense, but it was all really negated by the Cavs' ability to get a rebound, reset, get a rebound, have a putback, even get that putback's rebound get a three-pointer or something like that. So the Cavs did a wonderful job of doing what they do, which is getting on the glass. But the Hawks had to know that coming in. And to see Deadman only get 17 minutes really hurts. You think a game where you're going to have Andre Drummond, Tristan Thompson, and Larry Nance Jr., you're going to need some rebound, and the Hawks were not able to really get that. I did think it was a positive. The Hawks changed up their defensive scheme a little bit. The... Cavs were really destroying the pick-and-roll defense that the Hawks started the game in where the big man was really dropping low and the Cavs were taking advantage of that, getting in the paint and getting lobs for their big men. And so the Hawks changed it and they blitzed. And there were a couple times where the blitz worked and they get the ball handler, have two big mans, two guys guarding him, try to throw the ball to the big man and Hunter did a good job of getting to that ball before the big man did and, and getting a fast break. And there were sometimes it didn't work, but it was good to see the Hawks throwing in a different wrinkle to try to get back in this game. Unfortunately, when you're down 14, going on a 9-0 run just gets you within five. And if you're making something less than a 9-0 run, you're not even getting that close. So the Hawks were not really able to ever 
uh, get back in the game. They got down to seven in the fourth quarter, but they never like that's fantastic. But that's because they started being down eighteen or twenty points in the to begin the fourth quarter, and so the Cavs just went on a little bit of a run and kind of walking that edge into the fourth quarter. It just didn't work. So it was a really tough game, really frustrating game to go into the All Star break. I think for me because. I know the team's going to be going into that break with a bad taste in their mouth, going into Cleveland and losing to the worst team in the East. And it'll be interesting to see if this, like, what what the guys take from this. Um, the Hawks had been playing pretty good, about 500 basketball for the last 10 games or so, especially since when Teague had been here and Dwayne Denman getting back. But um, they lost two games in a row on the road, which is tough, but... It, it had been trending positively, and to see if the Hawks are able to kind of reset after the All-Star break, look at where they're at, and maybe make a little bit little bit of push just to keep developing their young guys. Again, the biggest thing for the Hawks going forward is the development of Hunter, Herder, Trey Young, John Collins, Cam Reddish going forward to see continued growth from those guys. If that turns in, it should turn into wins after the All-Star break. But getting to know what those guys are, especially now if Clint Capella is able to come back with 15 games to go, with 20 games to go to get a real sense of what the team could be. But it's, you know, I can definitely see there's some frustration with what the Hawks are doing not turning into wins. So I think it is important for the Hawks to take a break, really use this all-star break for what it is as a break, and come back refreshed and renewed. And we'll see if they're able to do that. Now going into the all-star break, We're going to get to see a lot of Trey Young. He's taking part in the Rising Stars game, the three-point shooting contest, and also the All-Star game itself. So there'll be plenty of content here at the KettleCast. I'll also be doing a mailbag and also just some looking ahead at what I expect the Hawks to do after the All-Star break. But really frustrating finish to the pre-All-Star break for the Hawks. Wish they had been able to go into Cleveland and get a win or at least be more competitive than they ultimately showed. But they went in and they were facing a team that had lost five games in a row and had just made a big splash in, on the trade deadline and did not bring the energy needed to get that win there. Thank you for catching this episode of the KettleCast. You can reach me for any questions you have about the Hawks at kettlecast at gmail.com. And if you could leave a rating or a review, on whatever platform you use to get your podcast, that would be a big help to me. Go Hawks!